Hello and welcome to another episode of Yoga for Latter-day Saints, a podcast where we discuss ways to improve worship using yoga practice. Last time we discussed how we treat others and breath work. Today we're going to discuss the next five sutras, which talk about meditation and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Sutras numbers 35 to 39 read, The concentration may be on an object that is elevating, such as the feeling of love or a sense of universal compassion. Or concentration may be attained by focusing on the inner light, which is free from all sorrow. Or the concentration may be attained by removing the obstacles that arise in the mind. Or the concentration may be attained by meditating on the knowledge that comes in dreams and deep sleep. Or by meditating on anything that one desires. These sutras discuss different methods for cultivating concentration or meditation. The key point here is that the object of meditation should be something that helps to elevate the mind and bring greater awareness and insight. One option to meditate on is the inner light or consciousness that is said to reside within each individual, which we know as the light of Christ. Another option is the knowledge that arises in dreams and deep sleep, which is said to come from a deeper level of consciousness and can provide insight and understanding that's not available in the waking state. In the end, the object of meditation can be anything that brings us joy, peace, or fulfillment. There are many obstacles that can arise during the practice of meditation, including physical discomfort, restlessness, and negative thoughts. These obstacles can be distracting and make it challenging to maintain focus on the object of meditation. By focusing on an uplifting object, the mind becomes more focused and centered, which can help reduce distractions and cultivate greater clarity and insight. Other things that can help are cultivating positive attitudes, developing detachment, and practicing regularly. For example, cultivating positive attitudes such as gratitude and contentment can help to reduce negative thoughts and distractions. Developing detachment and letting go of attachment to outcomes can also help to reduce mental agitation and distractions. In addition to these internal obstacles, external distractions can arise such as noise or interruptions. So it's important to create a quiet and calm environment to practice meditation. I like to look at meditation as a fast for the brain. In today's world, we're constantly bombarded with information and distractions that our brains try to process. And even when we're not actively focused on tasks, our brains enter what's called the default mode network. This network is responsible for self-reflection and thinking about ourselves. Within the default mode network, our brain does a few important things. It helps us imagine and think about future scenarios, which is really helpful for planning, setting goals, and making decisions. It also plays a role in understanding other people's thoughts and feelings, which is important for social interactions, empathy, and seeing things from different perspectives. The default mode network is also involved in recalling personal memories, like events and experiences from our own lives, this helps to shape our sense of self and who we are as individuals. Additionally, it plays a part in making moral decisions, thinking about what's right and wrong and considering the consequences of our actions. However, sometimes our thinking can become a bit distorted. We might have thoughts that are biased or not entirely accurate, which can affect how we see ourselves in the world. These distorted thoughts can interfere with the natural self-reflection process of the default mode network. 
For example, we might fall into patterns of all or nothing thinking, seeing things as only good or bad, or catastrophizing, thinking that the worst is always going to happen. Also, when the default mode network is too active or overly engaged, it can contribute to repetitive negative thoughts and worrying. This can happen when we get stuck thinking about the negative aspects of a situation or assuming we know what others are thinking without evidence. When we engage in meditation and mindfulness, we intentionally focus our attention on the present moment, cultivating an attitude of non-judgmental awareness. Research has shown that regular meditation practice has been found to reduce the activation of the default mode network during restful states and decrease the mind-wandering tendencies typically associated with it. Meditation promotes a state of meta-awareness or observer perspective, which involves being aware of our thoughts, emotions, and sensations without getting entangled in them. This shift in awareness allows us to observe the activity of the default mode network and the thoughts it generates from a more objective standpoint. As we continue to practice meditation and cultivate mindfulness, we develop greater control over the default mode network's activity. This can result in reduced rumination, repetitive negative thinking, and cognitive distortions commonly associated with it. By becoming more aware of our thought patterns and learning to disengage from unhelpful or biased thinking, we can create a healthier relationship with our thoughts and emotions. Additionally, meditation and mindfulness practices have been found to enhance the functional connectivity between the default mode network and other brain networks associated with attention, cognitive control, and emotional regulation. This improved connectivity suggests that meditation can facilitate better integration and communication between different brain regions, leading to a more balanced and adaptable mental state. Surprisingly, the amount of meditation required to achieve these changes in the brain is very little. One study found improvements in mood state and enhanced attention, working memory, and recognition memory, as well as decreased state anxiety scores in people brand new to meditation who only practiced 10 to 20 minutes a day for eight weeks. President David O. McKay said, We pay too little attention to the value of meditation, a principle of devotion. In our worship, there are two elements. One is spiritual communion arising from our own meditation. The other, instruction from others, particularly from those who have authority to guide and instruct us. Of the two, the more profitable introspectively is the meditation. Meditation is the language of the soul. It's defined as a form of private devotion or spiritual exercise, consisting in deep, continued reflection on some religious theme. Meditation is a form of prayer. We can say prayers without having any spiritual response. We can say prayers as the unrighteous king in Hamlet who said, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. Words without thoughts never to heaven go. Meditation is one of the most secret, most sacred doors through which we pass into the presence of the Lord. Jesus set the example for us. As soon as he was baptized and received the Father's approval, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, Jesus went to what is now known as the Mount of Temptation. I like to think of it as the Mount of Meditation where, during the 40 days of fasting, he communed with himself and his father and contemplated upon the responsibility of his great mission. One result of the spiritual communion was such strength as enabled him to say to the tempter, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Before he gave the beautiful Sermon on the Mount, he was in solitude, in communion. He did the same thing after that busy Sabbath day when he arose early in the morning after having been the guest of Peter. 
Peter undoubtedly found the guest chamber empty, and when they sought Jesus, they found him alone. It was on that morning that Peter said, All men seek for thee. Again, after Jesus had fed the five thousand, he told the twelve to dismiss the multitude, but Jesus went alone to the mountain for solitude. The historian says, When the evening was come, he was there alone. Great events have happened in this church because of such communion, because of the responsiveness of the soul to the inspiration of the Almighty. I know it is real. President Wilford Woodruff had that gift to great extent. He could respond. He knew the still small voice to which some are still strangers. You will find that when these most inspirational moments come to you, that you are alone with yourself and your God. They come to you probably when you are facing a great trial, when the wall is across your pathway and it seems that you are facing an insurmountable object, or when your heart is heavy because of some tragedy in your life. I repeat, the greatest comfort that can come to us in this life is to sense the realization of communion with God. For today's practice, we're going to do a meditation focused on your relationship as a child of God. Find a quiet and comfortable place where you can sit or lie down without distractions. Close your eyes, take a few deep, relaxing breaths to settle your body and mind. Begin by bringing your attention to the present moment. Feel the sensation of your breath as you inhale and exhale. Allow your breath to become slow, deep, and natural. Now shift your focus to your relationship to God, a child of a loving Heavenly Father. Imagine yourself embraced in a warm and loving light, representing the unconditional love of your divine Creator. Visualize this light surrounding you, enveloping you in a gentle and nurturing embrace. As you continue to breathe, bring to mind the qualities and attributes of a loving parent or caregiver. Reflect on the ways in which God's love is similar to that of a caring parent. Unconditional acceptance, unwavering support, boundless compassion, and infinite wisdom. As you hold on to this awareness, bring to mind any challenges or struggles you may be facing in your life. Offer them up to your Heavenly Father, trusting that His love and guidance are always available to support you through difficult times. 
Allow yourself to bask in this loving presence, feeling the depth of the divine love that surrounds you. Know that you are cherished and valued just as you are, with all your strengths, weaknesses, and imperfections. Take a moment to express gratitude for the love and guidance you receive as the child of God. Feel a sense of deep appreciation for the divine presence in your life, knowing that you are never alone. Finally, take a few more deep breaths, slowly returning your awareness to the present moment. Gently open your eyes, carrying with you the sense of being a beloved child of God throughout your day. As we finish up today, I want to thank you for listening in and remind you of the example that Jesus set in finding time and quiet to commune with the Father, as recorded in Mark 1.35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga4lds at gmail.com. 